0: On today's episode of Three Wide in the Middle, we're going to take a look at the redemption, the comeback for Daniel Ricciardo in F1. Also, NASCAR releasing their 2022 schedule. What does it mean? Especially the clash being at the LA Coliseum. I'm going to talk about that. Plus, we're going to take a look at this last weekend's race and a couple of quick things on dirt. So, all of that coming up right after this. What's up, everybody? Thomas Brandon here. Thank you very much for joining me here on 3 Wide in the Middle, your home for all things racing. And like I said, we're going to be taking a look at F1 to kick things off. Now, really quick, I got I to cover this. If you are a racing fan, okay, you don't even have to like F1 in particular. But if you're just a fan of racing, there's something that you need to absolutely check out f1 made in my opinion one of the greatest marketing moves you could ever make they really did now really quick just so you understand i have spent years i have eight nine years now um learning the marketing influence persuasion like all these types of things sales okay and i've worked in jobs that do that and I've, I've been learning this for years because I want to be a, you know, and I am now, but I, I wanted to become a, an, an entrepreneur. I, I didn't want to work for other people. I wanted to work for myself. If I'm going to work, you know, 50 hours a week, I, you know what I mean? Like, I, I want to do it for me. Now, the thing that most people don't realize about being an entrepreneur is really an entrepreneur is somebody who chooses to work 80 hours for themselves instead of 40 hours for someone else. But that's a different discussion. But anyways, I've spent years learning the skill of marketing and sales. And what most people don't realize is that any business that you are in, you are in the business of marketing and sales. It does not matter if you are selling cars off a used car lot. If you have an online business, if you run a McDonald's or a sports clips or a grocery store or anything else in between. At the end of the day, you are in the business of marketing and sales. You're not in the grocery business. You're not in the restaurant business. Okay. You are in the marketing and sales business because at the end of the day, if you cannot get people to come in and buy your product or service, whether it's online or in a brick and mortar store, you don't have a business period. End of story, end of discussion. It does not matter. And. When it comes to marketing and sales, there's a lot of things that people don't understand now look for all the time that I've spent studying it and learning it and I'm pretty good considering I've I've learned and done all this stuff on my own. I've taken courses and gone through programs and stuff like that never went to college because I think I kind of think the way college teaches marketing is is stupid, but that's just my personal opinion. Um, But um, I have gone through some of the best independent marketers, especially when it comes to direct response and stuff like that. And, you know, like I said, that's a different topic. So I'm pretty knowledgeable in it. Okay. I, I consider myself, I'm not like an expert, but I'm pretty good at it. Okay. I've had success with it, especially over the last 18 months with my business. I've been very successful. And then a lot of that has to do with the stuff that I've learned. I say all that to say this, what I saw F1 do a couple of years ago to tie this back around was the greatest marketing, you know, adventure, right, (laughs) campaign, whatever you want to call it, that I've ever seen. What F1 has accomplished with their docu-series on Netflix, F1 Drive to Survive, is something that literally every marketing and sales department across the world should strive for. They really have. You see, when it comes to marketing and sales, when it comes to people, when it comes to business, the thing that people want, and this is one thing that 95% of businesses don't understand. They don't get it and they never will. What people want is they want authenticity. They want the truth. They want people to be real. They want a connection. And that is what we see in that F one drive to survive uh, documentary. The first time that I've watched it, and I watched all. I've watched all of them so far. I actually watched them twice because I loved it so much. The first time I watched it, I was like, "This is incredible!" Right. Keep in mind, I'm looking at this through the eyes of a somebody who spends the vast majority of his time looking at things from a marketing and sales perspective. I'm like, "This is incredible." What they've done here is absolutely incredible. I've talked about this before. Every other racing series in the planet it should be hiring the people who did that and, and have them do it for them because it really is it's absolutely incredible and in the start of that series we see daniel ricardo and daniel ricardo ricardo is probably one of the most if not the most likable drivers in all of formula one he really is he's one of those guys that you just root for Now there's people out there be like, well, he's cocky or well, he's this folks. Here's the deal. When you reach that level, you have to be confident. You have to believe in yourself. You have to have whatever you want to call it, whether it's cockiness, confidence, whatever you have to have that, because if you line up on the grid and you are sitting there next to Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton, you know, Sergio Perez, pick your F1 driver and you're like, oh man, going to be tough today. Guess what? You're going to be in the back of the pack. It doesn't matter what car you're driving. And Ricardo showed for years in Red Bull, he showed himself to be kind of this up and coming driver, right? That big things were planned for Now it just so happened that Ricardo comes along, right? Red Bull has this amazing run. They win four championships in a row with, with Vettel and then Vettel goes to Ferrari, right? And it just so happens when Vettel's going to Ferrari, and Ricardo's coming along and now it's going to be this the the time of the Red Bull Mercedes comes on the scene and just starts smashing everybody right it's just they they come along and it's it's like a, a just a, a program like we've never seen before right it's just incredible and not only does this happen while Ricardo's at Red Bull but after a couple of years and some very good success this young driver comes along by the name of Max Verstappen and Verstappen is, we've seen Verstappen type drivers across the racing front. And what I mean by that is, is these young phenoms, right? These guys who come up there 21, 22 years old, and the talent is so insane. Like you don't even have to know anything about racing to look at him in a car and go something about that guy is different, right? Like you can just see it. You don't even have to just be like man who is that because he he's got something that most people don't have and when you saw how Red Bull was really shifting their their focus to Verstappen as opposed to Ricardo right like Verstappen was the shiny new thing now look in hindsight right in retrospect Horner was right Christian Horner the team principal of Red Bull he was correct right Verstappen is challenging for championships he's won multiple races over the last couple you know since since 2018 the end of 2018 when Ricardo went to Renault and Verstappen was here on Red Bull it's been huge Verstappen has been the second best and right now arguably the best driver in F1 so they were obvious you know they they kind of knew what they were doing but you couldn't help feel bad for Ricardo he's one of those guys like you just you just root for right you like the guy and in the documentary, they talked about, you know, Horner was like, I think he's running from a fight. And whether or not he was, I don't know. What I do know was is that he went to Renault. It didn't work out well there. And when he went to McLaren this year, I was holding out hope that he would have a turnaround season. I really was. I like Ricardo. I think Ricardo is, he's an incre- I think he's an incredible talent. I really do. Although the last couple of seasons, he has not shown it. His last win was for Red Bull in 2018 at Monaco. Now look, Monaco is a glorified parade, okay? (laughs) Basically, if you qualify on pole and you don't screw up in the race and you can just drive like in the middle of the track and you don't have, you know, your pit stops are good, you don't make any like dumb mistakes, you're gonna win the race because it's so hard to pass there now. Those streets are so narrow. And these cars are so what, you know, it's just, it's, it's just almost impossible to pass. It really is. And so, you know, winning that race, you might say, well, you know, if it was bigger or whatever, he got the pole, he did his job. They won Monaco. It's like one, it's like the most prestigious event of the year. He won it, but that was the last win that he's had. And since then he has not shown much. He's had a couple of, you know, towards the front finishes and that's really it. And this year with McLaren, and McLaren has definitely been showing themselves a massive improvement over these last couple of seasons. And this year, you can see it's really coming together because with Lando Norris, they've been good. Lando Norris is up towards the front in points. Now, he's not challenging for a championship, but he's been top five in points all season long. And right now, he's like, what, third or fourth. I mean, he is, he's been up there. And meanwhile, you look at his teammate Ricardo, and he's been back towards the, the tail end of the top 10. Now, I've seen all kinds of stuff on why Ricardo has been struggling with these cars. And there's some things that make sense. Yes, I understand different steering and different braking and different, you know, all that stuff. And it does matter. When you're talking about a, a car where these guys are going as fast as they are going, through the types of turns that they are going through, you know what I mean? Little tiny things that would seem insignificant to your average person is a big deal for a race car driver. It really is. I'll give you an example my wife's car right her honda accord when i hop in that car all right after i've been driving my chevy tahoe it feels like i'm getting into a go-kart but not only that the pedals on it are so soft that the first couple of times no matter it does not matter when the last time i drove the car was If I've been in my Tahoe for any length of time, when I hop into that Honda, the first couple of times that I press the accelerator, you're going to be like, dude, why are you stomping on? It's just because the pedal is so much softer than I'm used to. It matters. Now, obviously after, you know, a couple of stop signs we're fine and then things smooth out, but now take that and exaggerate it by a factor of a thousand when it comes to a race car. So those things matter. Okay. Is that, are are those the reasons why Ricardo has struggled this season? I have no idea. I have no clue. What I do know is that McLaren and Daniel Ricardo went into Monza, right? The temple of speed, the track that has really been just dominated for years. Yes, recently other teams have won, but, you know, for years this was like the house of Mercedes, okay? It really was because they're... They are known, right? The Silver Arrows are known as the speed cars, right? Like that's where they, that's where they get it done is their speed. Their speed is second to none. And McLaren went out and they put it on the field. Now, yes, Verstappen and Hamilton got together. But to say that that is why Ricardo won is a disservice to Daniel Ricardo. He drove a phenomenal race. Him and Lando Norris both did. McLaren took one too. Is a big, big deal. All right. McLaren has not won since 2014, I think, was the last one. It's been a long, it's been a good minute since they've won. So for Daniel Ricciardo to have the year that he has had up to this point, yes, he's had some decent finishes. He's, He's made points and stuff like that. But then to come out at Monza of all places, right, the temple of speed and win the race and do it with his teammate right behind him is just incredible. And I'm really hoping it is a sign of things to come because I believe that the more people that we can have challenging for wins, the more, you know, constructors, I think the better the sport is. When you have one team dominating, and look, we love... To to hate against the dominant, you know, dynasties. We do this in all aspects. We do it in sports, right? I remember growing up as a kid, I was a Dallas Cowboys fan. I'm still a Dallas Cowboys fan. Been a Dallas Cowboys fan my entire life. The last 20 years have not been good. It's sucked, okay? We have not been good. As a fan, the Cowboys, not good. All right? But when they were good... And I was rooting for him. Everybody hated him. People still hate him and they're not even good. Look at the New England Patriots in NFL. 20 years, they, they were, I mean, a perennial contender for the championship every single season. You either loved them because you lived up in the Northeast or you hated them Because they were just too good. We saw this happen with the Miami Heat and basketball, the Golden State Warriors, or, you know, the uh, New York Yankees, right? It, it doesn't matter. There are people out there who rooted against, you know, Steve Kanzer at his height in the world of outlaws. It does not matter. And one of the things that I, one of the reasons I stopped watching F1 years and years ago was because for me, it had gotten so predictable. Like that was kind of how I saw it. When I grew up watching as a little tiny kid, like I loved, you know, Art and Senna, like Senna was my man, like I loved Senna, I remember playing the Art and Senna video game, I think I had it on Nintendo, right, I loved F1 as a little kid, and then as the years went by, right, and then Schumacher comes in, and Schumacher just dominates, like it wasn't even fair, you know, like it was just absolute domination, and I got out of it after a few years of that, because it was like, "Oh wow, Ferrari wins again. Woohoo, yay." You know, like it just it just kind of got boring. Like that was the way I saw it. And I got back into F1 about a year ago, a little more than a year ago, because of sim racing. But I got full-on back into it hardcore 9 months ago because of F1 Drive to Survive. And a big part of that series was the man who was up on the number one spot in the podium this last weekend, Daniel Ricciardo. So hats off to him. I hope it's a sign of things to come, especially not just for him and Lando Norris, but McLaren as a whole. Nothing would make me happier to see McLaren, Mercedes, Red Bull, and Ferrari all duking it out for the, you know, the driver's championship and the constructor's championship. I think that would be amazing for the sport. It really would. So I'm hoping it's going to be a sign of things to come for the rest of this season more importantly next season with the new car and all that other stuff but yeah hats off to him awesome story go from 2018 nothing no win no nothing you know since then and to get a win at monza of all places just incredible so awesome run for ricardo and the mclaren team now next we're going to be covering the nascar schedule nascar just busted out their schedule we'll cover what happened this last weekend and where we're at but I want to get into really the schedule and what's going on with NASCAR because this is a big deal. And NASCAR lost their way. I got a lot of opinions on NASCAR. NASCAR lost their way. And they're trying to find their way back to it. And I'm going to talk about whether or not this is going to be able to happen. If they're, if they're, if they're kind of shooting too much for the moon here, if they're going to you know miss or, or what. So we're going to talk about that coming up right after the break. All right, so last weekend's race at Richmond saw a Gibbs, Joe Gibbs racing sweep of the top three. So Martin Truex Jr. got the win. So he has now locked himself into the next round coming up the round of 12. Hamlin got second and Christopher Bell got third. Very strong performance from him. Now, Chase Elliott, Joey Logano were your top five. And then it was Kyle Larson, Ross Chastain, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, and Ryan Blaney was your top 10. So very very good performances now things are kind of shaking out the way that i kind of thought they would um at the start of the playoffs now obviously we still have a long ways to go we're not even out of the round of 16 yet so it's going to be really interesting especially this coming week we've got bristol night race now as of right now truex is actually on the pole for that so he seems to be really coming into form right now and um if you remember you know episode one uh, we talked about, you know, who I thought were legitimate contenders in my, my four and stuff like that. Truex is one of them. I think he has an absolute shot at not only making the Final Four, but being the, the champion, the winner this season. So it's going to be interesting to see. But, on to a little bit more interesting stuff. And that is, NASCAR has just released their schedule for 2022. Now, this is really interesting because it gives us a look at not only what they're doing next year, but also what I kind of think they're wanting to do the next few years. So really quick, some inside baseball stuff. For those of you who don't know or pay attention or anything like that, NASCAR has got a TV deal that's going to be coming up here in a few years. Now, if you look at other sports, right, NFL. NBA even you know major league soccer or major league baseball right because for those major league baseball and major league soccer it's a little bit more regional money but regardless the the amount of money that that is being doled out right now for live sports is insane what the, the what the NBA and the NFL are bringing in and what they'll bring in in their next TV deals is absolutely bonkers like there's no other thing there's no other word that you can call it's just insane the amount of money that is being generated now nascar on the other hand is kind of going in the opposite direction um their next tv deal i don't think is going to be greater than what they're on right now and one of the things that i believe that they are trying to do is i think they are trying to kind of figure out a schedule for the tv deal and let me explain what i mean by that If you look at what they've got right now, there's a couple of noticeable changes. Number one is the clash, okay? So the Bush Clash, we used to call it the Budweiser shootout, the Bush Clash or whatever it is, basically the race before the Daytona 500. It's always been at Daytona. It's been at Daytona since like 1979, right? Well, it's gonna be at the LA Coliseum this year. Now folks, the LA Coliseum is not a racetrack. (laughs) Okay, it wasn't built for a racetrack. it was built for the Olympics, right, back in the 80s. And now it's all—it's all, it's a, basically a football stadium. So they're going to do the clash there. Okay, now that is a huge... You're talking about going from two and a half miles super speedway to a quarter mile short track, flat short track in the LA Coliseum. Now here's the thing. Can this work? Absolutely. Will it work? I have no idea. And we'll get more into how they're doing this in just a minute. But I want to get through the rest of these tracks. So that's the first big thing. Another thing, they're bringing Auto Club Speedways coming back. Now, keep in mind, Auto Club out in Fontana, right? Its current rendition is a two-mile track. Well, they're going to be bulldozing that thing and turning it into a short track. Okay? But they're going to be going back to Fontana this year for the first time in a couple of years. Um, Obviously, pandemic and stuff like that plays a role. Okay. In terms of Bristol, right? still got the two shows. One of them is going to be dirt. The first one of the year is going to be dirt. So they'll be back at Bristol dirt. The all-star race is going to be at Texas this year. Okay. Um, they are, you know, in terms of road courses, looking through the schedule here, it looks like there's going to be five total. So we've got Coda, um, obviously Sonoma Watkins Glen, uh, the Indianapolis road course. And then there's one more road America, I think is the other one. So five road courses. Um, we've also got, you know, Atlanta, the, the reconfigured Atlanta is going to be, you know, early on in the season. So we'll get to have a good look at that. Pocono lost the race. Okay. So some pretty interesting stuff. Now, one of the things that has also added was gateway worldwide technologies, uh, you know, gateway. That is a very unique track. And this is something I think we are going to see more of. It's one of the reasons why I want to see the National Fairgrounds put back on the schedule. It's why I would love, absolutely love to see them, um, you know, get North Wilkesboro back, you know, back to life. You know, renovate that place and get it back to life because it's such a unique track. I think we're going to see the unique race tracks come back into nascar which was one of the things that i loved about nascar when i was younger right that was really one of the things that i loved about it the tracks had character they were unique right when i was watching as a kid in in the you know late 80s early 90s those tracks were unique rockingham was unique darlington is unique pocono was unique right compared to other tracks. North Wilkesboro, right? Like these are all unique tracks, Bristol, you know, all of them very unique tracks. And then we hit this phase of, hey, let's make everything cookie cutter. You see this all the time with anything good. You absolutely see this, and this is another thing that I've noticed being a you know someone who has studied marketing and sales you see it all the times marketers are some of the smartest But also some of the dumbest human beings on earth. They really are because this is what happens. Okay, you get people Together right those I'll use I have a great analogy for this Yeah, for those of you who are like me who were alive back in the 80s, right? You remember heavy metal right the hair bands now I was born in 83. So this was, I kind of missed the very beginning of it, but when I was getting into seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old, right? That's when I start, started getting into that type of music, right? You start listening to stuff, start liking it. And I remember in mid nineties, it, it kind of it just fell off a cliff. And when you go back and you look at what happened, it's completely obvious why it happened, right? Because record labels, Or at the end of the day, those are the people up there who got to make the sales, right? You've got marketers in there. And what record labels do, they do what every other business person does at the end of the day, or at least all the followers do. You see, Tony Robbins has a great line. He says, do not be a pioneer, become a settler. What he means by that is, is pioneers get shot in the back with arrows. Settlers survive. You see, if you are the first to do something, your chances of success are... Very, very slim. It's very hard to be the first one to introduce the new great idea and get it right. Usually what happens is, is someone else will come along, see that idea and go, wow, that's cool. But you know what? They're missing X, Y, and Z. If I can take that and add these features to it, man, we're gonna have something, right? Like that's what that's what the, the best, most successful companies usually do, okay? So it's very hard to be the first. But when you can take it and make it better, all right, now you've got something. Well, the problem is, is now when you have that formula, right, because that's what they look for. They look for a formula. This is what record labels did in the, it, with the hair metal, right? They do it with all music. They look for a formula. Hey, you know what? Let's do this. We're gonna introduce, we're gonna get our band out. We're gonna find, you know, a lead singer who sounds like he's, he's singing after sucking on helium. We're gonna find a, a lead guitar player, right? who, I don't know, wears leather pants like Slash. We're going to find a drummer who looks like Tommy Lee. And then we're going to find a bass player that looks like this guy. We're going to put them all together. We're going to slap lipstick and rouge and all this kind of makeup on them because back then, you know, the more that you dressed like a woman, right, the the, the sexier you were, right, in, in terms of hair metal, okay, because that's how it was. You had bigger hair than the girls did. And we're going to put them all together and then we're going to do a, a video, right? And the first video that we do is going to be our, our credibility track. It's going to be like the hard heavy hitting metal song right so it's going to be you know on the same level as you know guns N' roses welcome to the jungle but then we're going to put out a power ballad and that's going to make all the money right this was the formula if you go back and you look at the bands that came through after the initial explosion of metal right after the initial push Quiet Riot, Motley Crue, you know, all those bands like that, the ones who really broke out first and kind of set the stage. If you look at the ones who came behind that, right? You got the W bands, right? The Wingers, the Warrants, you know, it it just it it just became it was like a, it was a conveyor belt. Like right? they just they just like they were stamping them out using a you know, a, a, just a, a like <laughs> they were just cloning the same thing over and over. That's it just became processed garbage right that is what happened to nascar in the late 90s and early 2000s it became processed garbage every track was a mile and a half speedway with a dog leg or a tri-oval right or a two mile flat track right you know like a fontana you know trying to do something like that every single track oh we got a new speedway on it oh what is it It's a 1.5-mile super speedway that's banked 18 to 22 degrees, and it's got a dog leg. Wow, haven't seen one of those before, right? What places? What? What? How's it going to get on the schedule? They've already got 36 races. Oh, we're going to get rid of Wilkesboro, really? The most unique, coolest track on on this, you know, on the schedule. You're going to get rid of it? Yeah, we got to do that. Oh, hey, we got another super speedway opening up. Oh, sweet, what is it? Well, it's a 1.5-mile, you know, high banked. Trioval, oval Okay, sweet. What, what is it? Gonna, well, Darlington's only going to have one race. Like, really? The, the lady in black, you're going to take one of the most historic tracks away from the schedule and you're going to put another cookie cutter mile and a half super speed around there? Like, that's what you're going to do? And NASCAR did it for years. They lost their way and they absolutely killed and destroyed the sport. And what they're trying to do now is they're trying to bring it back to what it was. Now, here's the thing. It'll never be what it was. They done done screwed it up too much, in my opinion. And here's the thing, folks. I hope I'm wrong. Because if it becomes what it was when I grew up watching as a kid, I will be the first person to come behind this microphone and say, I was wrong and I could not be happier. I will be absolutely ecstatic if that is the case. I just don't see it happening i look at the next gen car i think it's a step in the right direction i really like what they're doing i think there's a lot of positives with it but one of the things i don't like is they're really setting themselves up for basically two types of racing and this is what i don't like it's you can see that with the schedule they want either short track or road racing right and you can make the argument that road racing will end up a lot like short track racing in terms of the beating and the banging, right? The excitement, that type of thing. I, I personally think short track racing is awesome. I love it. I would love to see more short tracks on the schedule. It's why I'm such a big proponent for the Nashville Fairgrounds or Wilkesboro, you know, stuff like that. I, I, because I think those are just amazing tracks. I think if we could get more tracks, you know, that are one mile or, or, or smaller in size, I think that would be amazing. I love it. I love short track racing. Road courses aren't bad. I'm not a huge fan of them. The way that I see road courses is if I want to see road course racing, I will go watch F1. That's the way that I see it. To me, that's road course racing, right? That's what I'll go see. I'll go watch IndyCar. I don't really want to see it at a NASCAR. Now, five races on the schedule, I can handle that. When there's 39, I can handle five road races. I believe there's 39 total. So I can handle five road races but I don't want to see 10, okay? I don't want to see 15. I don't want to see a bunch of freaking road races. All right? I just don't. So, five, I can handle that. That's okay. I can I can deal with that. But when you start turning every race into essentially, hey, it's going to be a short track or it's going to race like Daytona and Talladega, that, I think, you are you're setting yourself up for failure. Now, I know people love the excitement of drafting right restrictor plate racing that type of stuff i i and i get it man it is exciting but when you do something all the time it loses the novelty of it okay what makes daytona and talladega special is the fact that there's only four of those races a year with this next gen car you're going to see that kind of racing at atlanta At Las Vegas, at Michigan, at Fontana, right? Like any mile and a half track or bigger, you're going to see something very similar to that. Now, will that be good for the sport? I don't know. I can't answer that. I can just tell you how I feel about it. We'll have to wait and see what happens. And like I said, I hope I am wrong. I hope it comes. I hope next year when the next-gen car comes out, that it is the best season of NASCAR that we have ever seen. I hope and pray for that. Because I love racing. And I used to absolutely love... I still, I still love NASCAR. But I mean, I was diehard. I did not miss a race. That was what I did on Sundays. I watched NASCAR. Most people have Super Bowl parties. We had Daytona 500 parties, right? Like, I loved NASCAR. So I'm really hoping it's going to move in the right direction. I'm hoping that this is a move in the right direction. But I can tell you right now, looking at this schedule, that's what I think they're doing. I think they're setting themselves up. This is, to me, this schedule looks like a long play. Don't be surprised if, you know, in 2023, the schedule has a bunch of different changes to it again. Because I think what they're doing is, is they're looking to find, hey, what places can we put on this schedule? What are going to race well? What's going to be a good draw on TV? What's going to be a good draw ticket-wise? Stuff like that, that we can now put together as a schedule and take out to the, the networks, right? To the, to the cable companies, to all the people out there. And we can say, hey, this is, what, this is what we've got. This is our package. This is what we're putting out. Now you make us an offer. That's what I think they're doing. They're trying to put together their, you know, their best presentation for their next TV deal. And we'll see if it works I don't know I don't know if it will or not but we we will see it's going to be interesting but a couple of things like I said I'm really looking forward to on the schedule next season but we still got a lot to happen this season and it's going to be interesting right now like I said we'll dive into the Bristol race next week um but you know I gotta tell you next week next week I've got something really special planned I'm hoping that it happens um I'm gonna be hopefully doing an interview with a couple of with a couple of uh, buddies, and we're gonna be talking about big, big event coming up, um, not this weekend, but next weekend, the Four Crown National. If you love dirt racing, you're not gonna wanna miss next week's episode and the week after, because it's gonna be a lot of fun. We're gonna dive into the Four Crown National. Four Crown National is one of my favorite events to watch. I've never been to it, it's on my bucket list. I would love to go. Um, maybe, you know, hopefully next year I'll get to go. I don't know, maybe one of these days soon I can go to the Four Crown, but. It's one of those events I've always wanted to go to. I absolutely love it. The fact that they run that variety of cars at that track at Eldora, I think is just insane. And they do it the way they do it. It's just such a cool, unique format and, and two nights of racing. You know, It's just one of those things that I've always loved. And we're gonna be diving into that next week. I'm making some predictions on it. I got a special segment that I'm creating just for that called Capper's Corner, which is basically where I'm gonna be handicapping Um, you know, like sports betting handicap. I'm going to be handicapping the drivers who I think can win it and stuff like that. We're going to do that. Like I said, hopefully I'll have some people with me. And then also um, after the four crown, I'm going to have a very special guest with me who is going to actually be at the event and we're going to break it all down. And he's actually a former sprint car driver, stuff like that. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Definitely, definitely going to be a, a cool couple of episodes. So if you like dirt racing, don't miss the next two episodes. All right. So Um, but anyways you guys that's gonna do it all for today's episode now really quick do me a favor please if you like it you know what to do hit the like the share the subscribe the follow all of that good stuff we are now on basically anywhere you can get your podcast we're still working on freaking apple i don't know what the hell their deal is and also stitcher but everywhere else we're there so spotify just go to spotify spotify is awesome just use spotify man. mm, apple punks but anyway so we're on spotify now um also i'm going i'm looking at doing this i don't know for sure if i'm going to be doing it yet i think we're going to i'm going to be doing a potentially a youtube channel um where we'll actually have you know videos of the podcast and we'll have to wait and see that might be something a little bit further down the line but I'm, i'm in the in the works with that right now and then don't forget next week we are going to be having our four crown nationals preview and then the week after our recap and i've got some really cool guests lined up for that. So it should be a lot of fun, but that will do it for today's episode of the three wide in the middle podcast. I am Thomas Brandon. Thank you very much for joining me. And until next time, take care.